my time and I get distracted. Um, what is the first thing that you think about when you hear the word marvel? Somebody just shout it out. I'm sorry? Your friends, okay? Marvel, your friends? That's not what I'm looking for at all, Lauren. Thank you. <laughs> I am totally looking for that. Um, thank you, Lauren. We're <laughs> that, that, was not my, that was not my first thought, <laughs> what was going to come out. But I was thinking about Marvel. Um, who's excited about the new Spider-Man movie that's coming out? <laughs> oh, we got some DC in the house. Okay. Well, actually, Lauren, that was, actually, that was exactly what I was looking for. No, dude, you're, I'm, I'm totally serious. Oh, so you thought I wasn't serious. Okay, well, that's great. You're completely right. <laughs> You're completely right. I was um, looking at uh, my Instagram feed, and then I, re- I, I remember somebody talking about Spider-Man, and I was like, okay, I really want to really dive into this. And I, I knew it was coming out. So I was like, okay, I clicked on the trailer, and I watched the trailer, and I was just fascinated by this sense that, you know, Spider-Man, because he had put a spell on himself that everybody would forget that Peter Parker as Spider-Man had to kind of fracture the universe. And because of that fracture, all these things, all these, uh, these past enemies would come in and try to basically destroy the universe and undo the world. And I was just really fascinated with this idea that my mind kept twirling of, you know, all these multiverses and all the multiverses of the Spider-Man trilogy with Tobey Maguire and then the other one, um, the, duo, uh, the duo one, and, and, and then just bringing all those things coming together. And I was just like, whoa, this is intense. And so my mind just kept on going and going. And before you knew it, I was clicking on another link. And I was 20, it was a 26-minute um, uh, YouTube video of a guy that was just dissecting the trailer um, and just talking about every single random detail and stopping it and then, you know, showing them, oh, this, this license plate says something and means something. Or, you know, what MJ was wearing, she was wearing the same t-shirt from the, the, the previous movie and so this means this. And I was just like going at it and going at it until I realized 10 minutes had passed by yeah, and <laughs> exactly. I, man, why? And then I just started thinking to myself, why am I even like, why am I spending so much time on marveling about Marvel? <laughs> why was I going so hard on like thinking through all these, dissecting all these different like details and things from random universes and Really getting really excited that, you know, the lizard was coming back and, you know, the, uh, the, the, the goblin was coming back and, and just kind of looking at all these Easter eggs and then this thinking, all these thoughts, and before you know it, like 15 minutes was, was going by. And I just had to kind of sit back and pause for a moment and say, like, man, I was really just taken aback by an entire multiverse of Marvel and and yet, when it comes to thinking about high thoughts of God, when it th- thinks about marveling at the character of who God is and marveling at who he was, 
when was the last time I spent and got lost and mesmerized in high thoughts of God? And my hope is that as we're going through this Advent series, it, it, it would present for us a gut check when we come into situations like these, you know, whether you're looking at some Instagram feeds or you're looking at some things that just completely take your mind away, is that you would just be reminded that we are called as a people to marvel the greatest mystery of the universe at Christmas time. We are called to be mesmerized by the fact of the incarnation of God being birthed as a tiny baby. And other than the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I cannot think of anything that should thrill my soul or take me uh, for a ride or uh, make me lose time rather than getting lost in the fact that God, the all-eternal Co- the eternal God, the one who has created the heavens and the universe, should come down as a small, tiny, insignificant, crying baby like we just heard and become a part of our world. When was the last time you spent time and you marveled? <laughs> Not at Marvel, <laughs> but you marveled at Jesus. And you really stepped back and you said, wow, I am just amazed by Jesus. The fact that he became a child. That he became flesh and blood. And when was the last time you were just stirred by this thought, this truth, that I can't even wrap my head around, but yet the scriptures have given us a grand taste of Mount Everest. It it is almost like meeting somebody who has scaled Mount Everest. Or maybe like for my son, Ezra, who's into space, meeting a Buzz Aldrin or a Neil Armstrong. And hearing from them personally what they had gone through on their flights. What it was like to be in the cold, eternal blackness of outer space. What would it look like to be literally looking at earth and earth just looks like a jewel hanging there in space. When was the last time you were mesmerized by the fact that God became man? And the scriptures give us a look and pulls open the curtain into mysteries that are far grander than anything you can see on a 29,000-foot-high mountain or even 293 million miles away from the earth. That is the mystery, the unimaginable mystery of the incarnation. And so I just want us to step back. And before we even go on, I just want us to pause and just um, close your eyes and ask God, what have I been marveling at? And then just spend some time marveling at who God is. Not about the things that he does for you. Not about the things that you get from him. But the very things that make God, God. Let's spend some time together and let's just, let's just marvel at who God is.
God, we step away from the busyness of the season, the umpteen Christmas parties that we have to go to, the Christmas presents that we need to buy, just the things to do list on our to do list, maybe the vacations that we are just desperately needing and longing for. We just we just pause and say, Lord, your glory goes far beyond our compare. God, you are unrivaled. You are good. You are sovereign. You are powerful. You are holy and gracious. And even, God, you decided to show up in a baby's cry. Lord, we are just astounded. God, you, the sovereign God, would lower yourself at Christmas time. Give up the full use of your power, the full access to your glory, and become one of us. God, I pray that that would just blow our mind this season. There'd be nothing that would stir our hearts more than the fact that, God, you were the greatest gift to mankind, and you did that by becoming a child. Thank you for the incarnation. Lord, we worship you, praise you, glorify you. I pray that the scriptures just would be opened in a way that would show you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, turn to Luke, and I just want us to spend some time and getting into to Luke and um, just walking through this narrative. Luke chapter 1, verse uh, 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. The first thing that we want to see is that we want to look just just before this in Luke's account of the gospel as we move from Micah in our event series to the book of Luke and as we're going to camp out here the next few weeks is that right before this, this wasn't the first birth announcement, but we see the first birth announcement kind of went differently. It was John the Baptist's parents and it was Zachariah. And an angel, same thing, the angel appeared to Zechariah and saying, this boy is going to turn the hearts of people toward God in repentance. He'll be great. He'll, drink, he'll not drink wine or strong drink. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. He'll turn people in the way that of the people of like Elijah's time. And yet, at the same time, to this response, Zechariah didn't believe. And because of that, the angel pronounced that he would be um, mute until all of this had taken place. And it did come to pass. At the time of his services, and he ended to his home, 
Verse 24, after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden because she was recognizing that the Lord had done this in the days when he looked on me and taken away the reproach that I've received from people. Namely, that she was so old, and also she was way past childbearing age, but she was also barren. And God was working through this uh, birth narrative so that when we get into the birth narrative of Jesus in verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Again, we believe that God is a God who defies all expectations. He skipped over Jerusalem and he decided to make the birth of his Messiah come to an unknown person, to an unknown town, uh, to an unknown family, to a just ordinary virgin named Mary. And also, she was betrothed, uh, meaning that there was a period of um, engagement uh, before they consummated their marriage. And she was betrothed to a man named Joseph, who was also the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Mary is seen here and said to be favored. Word here is grace. God loves to do storylines of grace. In fact, that's his greatest storyline. And here, it's no different. Mary was going to be the object of God's gracious, sovereign initiative. It'll be a work that she did not ask to come into, a, a work that she did not apply to be into, a work that probably she was not good enough to be in. But here, even in the opening sentence, we're seeing this, that God is a God of grace and he is opening um, the, the doors of grace to Mary and she will be the object of God's gracious and kind initiative when she did not even ask. This is amazing because, you know, when you're thinking about uh, parenting and you're thinking about children, most of the time we kind of term it as this. We say that, you know, we're both trying. Both parents usually <laughs> have, a, have a means of, of being a part of, um, of a birth, a future birth of, of, a ch- of a child. It takes work, and it's so difficult to become a parent. We've known that. We've, we've struggled through a couple miscarriages, and we know that there has been a lot of pain in that, in that regard. It's difficult to have a child. And that's why, you know, it's, it's like you're, you're trying. You're, you're, you're trying so hard to have a child. And so with that, we see that in this context, we see that God's gracious initiative did not, was not based on her pedigree. It was not based on who and what she was doing at the moment. It wasn't based on how good she was. It was based on a sovereign work of the living God. Here it says, she was troubled at the saying, and I think rightly so. And she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. I love that, that she tried to figure out what was going on. What is the nature of this greeting? What is the nature of, um, of this angel coming? If, if I were you and if I were her, I'd be scared, absolutely scared of what, what is she, what, what is this angel doing here? And I love this because the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, 
for you have found favor with God. (laughs) Again, the angel seeks to comfort and to care. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Notice here that God is pronouncing this, and again, it is an act of sovereign grace. He says, she will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. We do know what Jesus means. It means that God saves, right? Salvation. And he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. So not only this child would be, um, uh, would be called salvation, would not only remind people of salvation, but he will be the son of God. In other words, he will be the one that will bring salvation. And then the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Well, if you were a good Jewish person that was steeped in the scriptures, and you had grown up listening to prophecy and Old Testament and messianic expectations, it only mean one thing. Ding, 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 ding. Salvation, Son of God, Messiah. She would be, along with all the other Jewish um, uh, people, would be on tiptoes. They were on tiptoes waiting for this Messiah uh, that would come in expectation to fulfill the prophecies of the prophets, to fulfill the prophecies of Genesis, all the way to the prophecies that were given in David's time. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, 12, it it, uh, God was speaking to David at a time in which David was at the very peak of his kingdom. He was the king of Israel. But God had said to him that there will be one that will be raised after you, an offspring over you, that I will establish his throne and I will establish his kingdom and his kingdom will reign forever and ever and ever. Second Samuel chapter 7, verse 11b to to 13a. It's called the Davidic covenant in which God had promised a descendant that would come in the line of David, the royal line of David, and would come and fulfill. And he would not just be a king for a time or a dynasty, but he would be a king forever and ever. All this goes back to the sovereign work and the sovereign grace of our God. The one who had put all this together. And you see that in the Second Samuel passage where God is the, ins- is the initiator here. He says, I will establish and I will raise up and I will um, establish his kingdom forever and ever without end. Isn't it great in the opening passages of uh, this, this birth narrative is that God is reminding um, them of the sovereign, the gracious work of the God that is going to redeem them, and it sent it to Mary. And what we see is the answer, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And I love this because Mary was not doubting this as Zachariah did. Zechariah, there was unbelief in there, but there was no unbelief and there was no lack of faith in Mary's question. If anything, you can kind of see Mary kind of like on tiptoes and, and saying, yeah, 
yeah, my son, I could see my son be, becoming uh, salvation. I could see my son being the son of God. I could see that what you're saying is that he's going to establish the kingdom. But biologically, how is this going to happen? Because Mr. Angel Gabriel, <laughs> you seem to say that this is not going to come a little later on. This is kind of clouded in, in our English text. But it's almost saying, it's saying this, that the angel is saying that this is imminent. This is going to happen. This was like right now. And her probably being closer, um, you know, to 12 at the time, never had sexual relationships with any man. She had been totally uh, pure and undefiled. She was just thinking to outside and, and saying, yeah, I get that, God. I believe that, God. But how is this all going to happen? I'm just kind of curious. And I, I love Mary's question, and it should just bring a thrill to a heart because her question is really the question we're asking. We're saying, God, what? give us a little bit more into this mystery. Show us, God, what you do and what you have done in eternity past that I cannot see. And so we're so great. I am so grateful for Mary's question that it was spoken out of faith and it was spoken out of belief, and she was asking God, I, I get it, but how? How is this going to happen? Especially since I haven't consummated my marriage yet. How is it going to happen right now? And the angel answered her, and this pulls back the curtain. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The angel answered Mary to the full extent that he was able to. And um, you want to ask how this happened? Okay, I'm going to share with you. And so here, when you think about this, there's always been um, this sense of we have to make sure, and we, we could say right off the bat, that it's not that um, Mary had some sexual relationships with God. That is not in this whatsoever. Most and all commentators uh, basically say there's no sexual overtones, as if, you know, like in the, in the Greek mythology of God's coming down and having sexual relationships with people. That is not the case here. And be far from it from this thought. But what we got to look at is that there was always a sense that God has always wanted to live and dwell with his people. And so the words here in the Old Testament, it gives us already a picture. If you go back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, and we were just talking about this because we're in our family Advent uh, series, we're, we're going through and we're tracing the story of glory all the way from Genesis 1. And we hear this, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. That word for hover, even though it's different from this exact word, overshadow, is the sense that we get here, that the Holy Spirit, his presence was overshadowing. And then later on, 
you see in the scriptures that there's always a sense that God wanted to live um, with his people. So when you look back at the times of history, in Israel's history, after they were separated from God, and then um, by sin, and then uh, they were kicked out of the garden, and then after the garden, um, they, they were, uh, the patriarchs came, which was Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And then after that, they were uh, delivered over into Egypt. And then after that, after they were rescued and delivered by Moses, they were going out to the promised land. But there was always this sense that God wanted to dwell with his people, but he couldn't because they were sinful. And in Isaiah 40, we see that because they were sinful, they still were able to come near through the priests and the sacrifices and the tabernacle system in Exodus chapter 40. So when you see that, when they came to worship, they draw near, they drew near to God. It said that whenever they came to worship in the tabernacle, there's that part in Exodus chapter 40 um, in which it says that the glory of the Lord overshadowed the tabernacle and filled um, the place. And then you keep on going and then you get into the point where they weren't traveling nomads anymore. They had landed on a place, and they had dedicated the temple. And then you see in Solomon's time, which is David's son, he established a temple for temple worship. And in that passage in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1 and 2, in fact, you can take a look at that in your Bible, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, 1 and 2 that they were dedicating this sanctuary where God would be worshipped and that his presence would come to be with them. As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. That is the same words overshadowing and in a sense that God's glory would fill that temple. So much so that the fire would come down, consume the sacrifices, and the people were just not able to look. That The glory of God was so hot, so weighty, they had to bow down and worship. So you see the sense, and then it culminates into um, Mark chapter 9. Turn to Mark chapter 9. And you see that with Jesus and his disciples, Jesus is taking that Old Testament imagery of overshadowing and his presence coming with them and then going into the transfiguration. And after six days, Jesus took with them Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his clothes became radiant, intensely white as no one on earth could bleach them. There appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus, and Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. So many times, first of all, we see Jesus being transfigured. His true glory shines out before him and his closest disciples that he is bleached whiter than anything that tide can ever do to close. He was just radiant and beaming. And the glory of the Lord appears, Elijah appears, Moses, and they're talking with Jesus. And of course, we always fault Peter for always saying stuff, 
you know, of course, if you're scared straight out of your wits, you say some things that are pretty dumb, right? But out of that, I don't think I fault Peter because Peter was saying something true. If anything, he's saying that, hey, I believe that God is going to dwell among us. So I'm going to set up a tent for Elijah. I'm going to set up a tent for Moses. I'm going to set up a tent for Jesus because, because I believe that the Messiah is going to come and that when he comes, his presence is going to be in full view of us and we're going to walk with God. We're going to know him. We're going to be in his presence with him forever. And of course, God speaks out of that, uh, of a cloud and a cloud, what? Verse seven. What was that word? And a cloud overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Again, the personal presence of the Lord, the same word showing us that God has always wanted to dwell with his people. And yet in the most exciting and incredible way possible, the Holy Spirit overshadows Mary. This is though an act that nobody sees. This is a creative act of the triune God deep in the womb of a woman, a virgin. And it's the most incredible, unimaginable mystery of human history that God overshadows Mary and God comes into the world. God beats a heartbeat. God does this mysterious work in a baby boy and he would be all human. He would be carried to term, dependent on his mother to sustain his life, but yet he would be the glory of God, the very presence of God that would burst forth and be a reminder, a parable that God has always wanted to dwell with his people. And he loved his people so much that he would be located inside Mary's womb, dependent on her. He would be fully human, crying, laughing, gurgling, sleeping, pooping, <laughs> yet without any taintedness of sin. He would be absolutely pure and holy so he can dwell Man, I'm locked into Micah, man. We, we've just been so grateful for his life um, being born into the world six, six weeks ago. There's nothing like it. Just looking into his smile, or, well, his half smile. <laughs> but um, he'll crack a smile at us. And you'll just, man, I can't explain that, that thrill, that joy. And Man, when, you, when a baby comes out, it is a miracle, isn't it? You just want to sit there and marvel. All you're doing is just waiting to see that baby's head come out. <laughs> and when Mary sees the, the head of Jesus pop out, she would know that this is the birthing of the Son of God, the Messiah himself. Fully God, yet fully man. It's one of my favorite songs, Who Would Have Dreamed? says this, prophets had foretold it, a mighty king would come, long-awaited ruler, God's anointed one, but the sovereign of all looked helpless and small as God gave the world his own son. And who would have dreamed or ever foreseen that we can hold God in our hands? 
That's a powerful God because he was wrapped in humility. He's the God of all gods, the God who is independent. He doesn't need anything. And he would come to be among us in our world. He would take on and be held. He'll be taken care of. He'll be mentored. He'll be taught. His dad would take him along and say, this is how you use a hammer. Son, he'd be given talks by his dad. He would have friends. He took on weaknesses. He was sad. He was discouraged. He was happy. He was joyful. And he was joyful because he knew that this was the path to die for us so that God can dwell with us. And that to me is the greatest story and the greatest thing at Christmas, that we are just needing to be lit up with. God wanted to dwell with his people, and he did that through Jesus Christ, being born as a baby so he can die for our sins, take upon our sins, on our behalf, the ones that have crucified the Son of God, he took upon it, upon himself, got killed, absorbed the wrath of his Father against sin, and then three days later he was risen again and glorified so that we can be co-reigners with, uh, with or, or be co-reigning with, with God in heaven, that we can be with him forever and ever and ever I think it's incredible that God in his providence gave Mary a sign. Her cousin Elizabeth later on in that narrative, who's old and also barren, which means biologically impossible to have kids, was six months pregnant. But what grace and kindness that Mary was given a sign not just to give to her faith, but to undergird her faith. And the angel tells Mary, for nothing will be impossible for God. Much has been said on Mary. I'm not going to talk too much on Mary I think we skipped to the obedience part too fast. I think we should just stop and marvel at the God who became man. I just think that we're such in a weary, a frenzy of activity at Christmas. We just simply need to stop and just simply behold this mystery. The Son of God became Mary's son. He became fully human. He knows our temptations. He knows intimately our weaknesses. He knows our busyness. And yet, he is totally sinless, spotless, and able to sympathize with us in our weakness because he's never sinned. And on that same token, God dwelt among us so that ultimately, all of us can be overshadowed again not only by that, that we will not be overshadowed in a way that looks like Mary, but we will be enveloped in a deep glory cloud in which one day we'll be transformed. And 1 John 3 says that we will be on that day when we will see him. We will be like him. And there's coming a day where God will dwell with us and we will dwell with him. In Revelation 21 and 22, it speaks of this word and the hope of Christmas and it should 
undergird us. It should excite us. It should thrill us. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. (laughs) One day, we will not see the shadows of glory, but we'll be living in it. The overshadowing of Mary will be a distant memory from the joy and the splendor of God wanting to be dwelling with man. That's the hope that we have at Christmas. And may you marvel that God in his glory, despite our sinfulness, would send his son, his beloved son, to come and be in Mary's womb, to be born fully human, but yet fully God, live a sinless life, die on the cross for our sins, to reconcile us with him, to set in line in motion the spirit of God coming in him as the deposit and an inheritance of the great dwelling that God will come and have with his people and his church. He is making things all new and I will speak that over us today as we marvel at the grandness of the story of God and we will one day reign with him. Amen? Let's stand. And let's just marvel at the incarnation tonight. What are you marveling at? What is taking over your thoughts tonight and this week? And may you come to the cross and come to the Lord and say, God, I want to marvel in you. I want to be captured again with you. May it be high thoughts of God. May it be about his glory. Let's pray. I want to invite us to come and as we worship and as we sing. Let's take some time and let's encounter our God. I want to invite the prayer team to come forward and just a time in which we would marvel. And we want to invite any of those who are struggling through some deep things, some heavy hurts or suffering, or maybe you just have a job decision or something that is pressing that's been just enveloping and overshadowing your mind. You just need prayer. Come. We just want to encourage you to come. If there's anything that, anything else, we can just come together and pray for you. We would be our delight. It would be our joy. So let's come together, and as we, as we close, let's pray. We just ask one man, pray with one man, and one, one pray with one woman. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your joy. <laughs> thank you for your joy. Thank you, God, that you're humble enough to take on the baby's cry and to live among us. God, we marvel at your incarnation. We marvel at your beauty. We marvel at who you are. God, we just want to be fixated on that this Christmas season. God, break away any distractions, anything that we might be feeling, the rush, the stress, the pressure. Father, help us to give it up to you, God. We surrender all these things to you and let us walk away with a greater worship and joy at who you 
Thank you, Jesus, for your incarnation. Thank you for becoming man.